It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. recording and we i just had to hide half of our cookies in the our spare room little snack our special recording our special recording treat to so see every day we meet at the coffee where coffee <laughs> at the coffee where coffee <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> at the cafe where once it was a hot barista boy who is no longer and he's we get no longer a barista <laughs> he's dead <laughs> May you rest in peace. And where we get some little treats. And then on the walk back to my house, I showed Grace this naughty little bakery, which is very unsuspecting. No one would ever know. That does cookies better than Ben's cookies. You heard it here first. It actually does. They are, I can, Ben's cookies are too, A, you've got to order like a box to make it worthwhile. B, they're a little inconsistent. They're like McDonald's fries. You've got to get them cooked at the right time. Yeah. Otherwise, they can be a bit dry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The These co- are freshly cooked and perfect. Yeah. Shout out to the catering shop in Kensal Rise. We should talk about Daddy. Yes. I forgot about that little micro topic. Yes. So for my birthday, Grace got me tickets to the theatre. Very cultured. Sophisticated girls. Sophisticated girlies who got quite drunk. Yep. And then ended up at McDonald's. I fell asleep. Did you feel I, I fell asleep? I know. I was like, we're not talking about it for another couple of days. <laughs> I thought about I'm that ready. this morning. I was like laughing. I'm literally 100 years. If I have one singular glass of wine and have to watch something that's more than two hours, I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah. I mean, it was long, but it was really, really, we were both so obsessed with it. It was really good. It was really, you know, so my experience with the theater has been very hit and miss. And we were saying before we went that when it's bad, it's bad. And it's quite – time just feels like it comes to a standstill. Mm. But when it's good – And so awkward. And it's awkward and you feel like everyone – you're like, oh, jare for the people on stage. <laughs> yeah, jare bored. Me. Whereas this one was out the gate, truly incredible. So what I was going to say, though, is the first half I found flawless, basically, because it was also really long. So Daddy is Jeremy O'Harris's new – 
play and he's obviously well not obviously but he is really famous for his play slave play and then he's also worked on things like zola he's just this really cool playwright from america he's also randomly like always with julia fox and that kind of new york scene the lucian crew yes and he was there on the night little jeremy celebrity sighting little celebrity sighting and yeah, so basically the first half was 60 minutes, right? And then it was said it was a 20 minute break and mm-hmm. then it was another hour 30. Yes. And before we went in, I was like, holy shit, that's so long. I'm sitting still. And then the first half, the first hour went within five minutes. It felt so fast. It was, I was like completely enthralled. It was so funny. It was so just brilliant. But then the bit where you fell asleep, I do feel like it lagged a bit. <laughs> In the second half. there was I have like no criticisms apart from that the second half I was kind of a little bit – I started zoning out a bit. A little long. So I fell yeah. asleep at the perfect – because I do feel as if – I don't know if I was asleep for one minute or 40 minutes, but I didn't feel as if I missed any yeah. key plot points. I yeah. kind of woke up and was back in it. It's So he actually wrote it – he wrote it before Slave Play. He wrote it when he was a student at like Columbia or something, which makes me sick. Because to be oh, that yeah. talented when you're like 19 is a disgrace. Yes. And it's about a young black gay artist who has an older white sugar daddy. It was kind of implied, I don't know if I just like interpreted it this way, but I feel like it was almost implied that the sugar daddy wasn't necessarily an out gay man. Oh, yeah, I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe he was a kind of straight quote unquote bachelor and he was. I don't know. Mm. But I got the impression, yeah. or I don't know if this is known or not, but I got the impression that it was based off his real experience, maybe? Yeah, I haven't read about yeah. it either, but it felt... It felt like that. Yeah, and it was just a very interesting exploration of power and sex and what power looks like and daddy issues. Yeah. I kept playing George Michael. I kept singing it for two days after being like, I will be your father. Yeah. And I was like, why am I singing this? Yeah, and the whole set was at this rich, older white man's Bellier mansion, like up in the hills. And so it opened up and there's a pool right in front of you and that's out on the balcony and then there's like the deck chairs and then the house in the background and every single scene is set there, which is funny because heaps of the scenes are when they've been on a big night out and they come back wasted and that's the open. And you kind of, like he his agent, the main queer young black artist agent you just sometimes don't know that they've been on a really massive night out until you start realizing that she's kind of like preaching being like you're so incredible you're the best thing in the world and then she goes to walk inside and like smacks into the (laughs) into the window and you're like oh they're all like on a coke binge yes if it had the visceral feeling of a 6 a.m yes like yeah coke binge it was yeah it was really great i'm so happy we saw it and i do feel as if he's gonna be one of these really Tennessee Williams iconic playwright the voice of, our of a generation. generation. The voice of a generation. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, so I feel happy that we saw it while he's still relatively Same. small. I've also never seen – I mean, I've only been to the theatre like literally t- – this is my third time since I've lived in London because obviously COVID. Mm. And I forgot that I actually went to Fleabag right when I first moved to London. But Amazing. then obviously that's a one-woman play and she sits on a chair, so I hadn't really un- – I didn't really understand – the theatre, and I'd never seen something really – what's the word? Like set in this era type thing. Mm. Like as in it was yeah. – all of the language was language we use. 
his friends who would come around to the Bellia mansion all had their own sugar daddies and were all taking Instagram pics on the balcony. And it was just very, the language and the humor and everything was like so, so good. So yeah, thank you for my B-Day present. Of course. Would you, I loved how that was one of the tension between the friends was that the guys really, one of his friends is jealous of him and is trying to denigrate having a sugar daddy. But then he's like, it's just because yours pays you less than mine does yes and i was like that would be such a thing yeah if you all had them you'd become jealous of who has it's such an la thing as well it's so it's such an interesting thing i was trying to think about it up after we saw it about is it i don't think it's immoral but i think it's like it's an interesting it's an interesting black and gray area of yeah but yeah. i remember when me and you one time were at a party and i said to you about a girl is she not there was this girl that we kind of knew who was with this older, like really rich kind of gross guy. And I said to you, is she not embarrassed to be with him? And then you were like, or so is he not embarrassed to be with her? I think you said, Oh yeah. 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 Like, is he not, does he not feel like embarrassed that he's, you know, just so blatantly with this like much younger girl. And you were just like, no, he feels so proud that he's with this young, hot girl and she feels proud that she's with that much money because both things make the other person feel really good. And I was like, yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic because both parties are winning. And it is that thing where this is a huge generalization, but I think when men pursue wealth, it's to be more powerful, socially powerful. And a big part of being socially power is being socially powerful is having a young, hot (laughs) partner that your peers are envious of. So Mm. it's just this weird transactional thing. And for the younger, whatever, attractive people, their currency is beauty Mm. and youth. And so it's just this kind of – it's like a business transaction. And in a lot of ways I actually understand it and I think it's – but then within that, whether you actually love and care about each other, whether there's any meaningful connection or not, that's – it's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. I replied to the guy offering me $5,000 a week for my – advice and attention and he never got back to me there's also been a lot of, there's been a lot of awd girlies getting these it's i don't know what's going on there's so many sugar daddy requests in the dms but i don't really understand that because i think they can't all be real but what is the what is the scam what's the end game i guess they, they might like maybe there are some that ask for your bank details or something and you end up getting scammed out of the money you, you don't have mm. But yeah, I think a huge thing for the for the older people in it is, yes, there's the beauty element, but it's also that youth thing, just wanting to hold on to your youth so mm-hmm. desperately. Yeah. We'll talk about a man who wants to do that, who goes to Coachella in a baseball cap shortly. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was very good. I also wanted to quickly note that I'm very happy and overjoyed that Julia Roberts is back in the headlines She just did a big New York Times profile for one of her new projects she has coming out. It's the first acting role she's had in four years. But during that, she mentioned that she's doing another rom-com. And it's her first rom-com in over 20 years. That's very exciting. Very exciting. And it's with George Clooney. Wow. Yeah. And with uh, Lucas Bravo, that Emily in Paris guy, the hot guy from Emily Mm. in Paris, and Caitlin Dever and Billy Lord. Great. Are the young cast. And then Julia Roberts and George Clooney are the parents of Caitlin Dever who are trying who go to Bali but it's actually the Whit Sundays that's where they filmed to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they made 20 years ago which is getting married so <laughs> that's very exciting but the New York Times piece wasn't that interesting other than that 
She's very, she's that kind of actor that really tries to just not say anything. Mm-hmm. She's very of that era. Yeah. Like very protected and guarded. Yeah. I feel like I don't know anything about her. Yeah. And then the, the New York Times people were like, what do you do on a day off? And she like refused to answer. Because she was just like, <laughs> oh, whatever I say, it's either just going to sound boring or people are going to be like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I know, but just welcome to being a celebrity. Just say something. Just tell me. Just reveal it. I know. Julia Roberts. I wonder if she – I know there's these gated kind of communities where celebrities of her level hang out, but do you think she does just go about her life or do you think she literally has a security detail? Like what do you do if you're Julia Roberts? No, I think weirdly in Malibu where she lives, she does live in one of those – gated community things but i think you can just kind of go about your life Mm -hmm. and just wander around i did camp out outside a smoothie shop the one that bella dude used to work at (laughs) trying to find her and i found her and we did we talked about it on the pod actually because i ended up we were sitting down and my friend had been surfing with this malibu old malibu guy who lived there and he was julia roberts's neighbor Mm. he's and he was telling me all this stuff about her i got close but no cigar (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Coachella. I don't know why I was surprised it's back on. Like, it does fully make sense, but it just – I thought we had another year of freedom before Coachella was back in our lives. Do you think being in the UK felt way less like Coachella was on than it does in Australia? I guess so. Or something? I just – I, like, didn't even know when people were – because all these people were sending me, Jare me, all the Harry Styles clips of Mm -hmm. Shania Twain, and I just – I was like, I don't even know. I just thought he was performing. I didn't realize it was his Coachella headline set. Yeah, I feel the same. I was totally not across it until I saw just a few things here and there that were kind of forced on me, foisted on me by social media. Okay, should we start with key moments? Harry and Shania Twain, I haven't watched the set, but obviously support it wholeheartedly gorgeous he said in the past so many things about loving shania twain so it's just so iconic she is amazing like incredible she's so amazing a hit maker a legend i haven't actually seen all that much musically about coachella but i guess that is kind of the point of coachella is the music is the back in the background kind of i think more so than ever before and i don't know whether that's because i mean harry styles is massive but i'm just like maybe it was like less of a and wasn't there also – I need to see the lineup. It was – it's a huge lineup. Like, The weekend played, and I was like, what? And then – Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish played. Billie Eilish? Billie Eilish played. Uh, yeah, so Billie Eilish, The weekend, Harry Styles, Doja Cat, Love, Love. Danny Elfman. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. He made, like, the theme song for The Simpsons. It's really what? weird. What? Oh, was it The Simpsons? Something. Um, Brockhampton, love. Carly Rae Jepsen. Megan The Stallion. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a lot of really famous people. And like you say, Phoebe Bridges on The Jewels. There's just so many famous people there. But I think the reason is, as we'll get into, is that footage of concerts is such bad content that no one at Coachella is sharing. If you're on the ground... Like yeah. you all get the same footage, which is like a blurry picture of someone in the distance. And also the Coachella crowd is so big that you are so far back if you're at one of those headline acts. We were like, honestly, four football fields away from Beyonce <laughs> and I was still getting trampled. Yeah, crazy. It was crazy. And we had to move, we had to move further back, probably on a bird's eye view. We were in like the middle 
Mm. of hundreds of thousands of people and we had to move way further back because my friends started having like a panic attack yeah crazy. so you don't really see any you can't really put anything out yeah so the all the there's a huge separation between what people are experiencing on the ground watching the music which is obviously becoming less and less of a actual thing mm. and then the content stuff which is what we all consume if we're not there of all the outfits i know it just what feels crazy about coachella and i know this is such a stale take but that there is two weekends where everyone just does it twice. But I think we you, you only really ever think about the first weekend as being a thing. And then by the second weekend, everyone is just so over it. Mm-hmm. And I know there are sometimes some other surprise acts and stuff like that. But Jare weekend two goers. <laughs> yeah, it would just be – I've kind of realized – so we're going to talk about your Coachella experience at some point. <laughs> In this episode, maybe. yeah, we might save it for maybe the Patreon because I was thinking about digging into the archives and bringing, as we talk about Coachella footage, bringing some disgusting photos back to light. We'd love to see them. So you and I were meant to go together. I bailed and I realized as I was looking at this that I will never, it's not in my, it's not written in my path <laughs> to attend Coachella. Like it's happened. Yes. There was a time period where you could do it. Well, to be fair, the way that people do it who obviously live in LA is they just pop down because it's like an hour and a half drive. So if one of one or the both of us ends up ever living there, then we could, you know, go down for a little pre-party where a friend is DJing and might like a couple of my friends DJ at pre-parties and then we could okay. just go to that and then we could maybe go to the fest. Do it like we did first. Splendor in the grass. Yes, we, we could have a luxury yes, uh, experience. High-end 1% experience of Coachella. I'm kind of interested in the fashion stuff. I saw there was a girl on TikTok who was kind of went mildly viral because she was at home sick in bed and just started doing videos about every celebrity look as it came in and they started getting more and more momentum. So funny. But she did this funny video where she basically said the only people, which, you know, it's a kind of – basic view of these things but the only people that looked really good were Kylie Jenner and Hailey Bieber because they'd both worn these really chill just jeans a white tank top and a leather blazer and had put no effort in and that that felt like the only genuinely quote unquote good outfit in a sea of crazy Coachella style and I was kind of thinking about this idea of quote unquote try hard style and how it feels I don't know how it feels. It feels noticeable post-pandemic, I guess, because we've all spent so much time not trying at that level. Mm. And Coachella style is frozen in time as well, which is kind of interesting. It's funny how Coachella – I mean, I guess all – well, not all, but I I literally was thinking about Coachella and then Glastonbury and Burning Man. All three of those festivals have very specific aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Glastonbury being by far the best because it is this very – chill british style of gumboots and a kate moss yeah kate moss (laughs) type thing but then with coachella i guess i guess it is just kind of like halloween you're just going to you're going to this event and if you're going to the event you probably like dressing in that kind of boho-y glittery way but yeah it's not for me I'm trying to think of what I actually wore when I was there. I just think it's a bit of fun. Like we don't need to psychoanalyze it too much, but it is that thing where you are going to Coachella. So you'll buy an entirely new wardrobe 
for Coachella and it's performing as this kind of character in Coachella. And I do think that's very interesting because it feels so tied to social media Mm. and performing on social media. I think about when I used to go to Southbound, which was the little WA (laughs) version of Coachella when I was a teenager and it was three days away and whatever. And we would get so excited about our festival style. Like Mm. we'd all go out and buy little outfits for it and go to uh, charity shops or whatever and have things and would look at pictures of Alexa Chung at Glastonbury or whatever. So I do think festival style has always been a thing where it's just a reason it just makes going away more fun because you can wear stuff you wouldn't normally wear. But I do think the Coachella thing has just been – it's just on acid now, like the Burning Man thing is, because you're going with the idea that if you get great content, it will blow up on Instagram. Yeah, the Coachella what, yeah. thing is you're going to Coachella to show that you're mm. at Coachella. Yes. Which is jade in a lot of ways, but also – understandable I guess because it has been sold to us as this kind of once in a lifetime opportunity it's funny because with Coachella you can I think I wrote down on our doc the queens of Coachella you know like the people that you just Mm -hmm. associate so much with being there Heidi Klum I just can't help she's but love that little pea brain like I just she's just great she just does exactly what she wants to Mm mm-hmm Alessandra Ambrosio, <laughs> Nicole Scherzinger, Romy, what's her face, the Victoria's Secret Angel, mm-hmm. um, Cody Simpson, love, yeah, Nick Val, that bachelor guy. I saw him at Coachella. Wow, Leonardo DiCaprio in his cap. He was there with Camilla Marone, who's now twenty-four. So maybe her last festival with Daddy. Daddy, <laughs> he's Daddy. He's Daddy. He's literally like. As in the daddy from daddy. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. It does harken back to a simpler time. I think back to when we first started magazines, like 2015, and all the Victoria's Secret angels going to Coachella and wearing fringed jackets and cowboy boots felt genuinely exciting. <laughs> I know. Vanessa Hudgens, queen yes, of Coachella. a queen of Coachella. But now it's funny because, sorry, as you were saying before, how that girl said Kendall and... Haley looked stylish because they looked chill. Mm. Another girl that I follow on TikTok, she did one about Devin Lee Carlson who rocked up in literally like track pants and mm-hmm. some baggy tee and said similar. Yes. But now it's kind of interesting because celebrities are going to Coachella because they're spruiking their brands, which is essentially Coachella on crack because it's all about capitalism and content and Things like that. So Kendall was there for an 818 party on the Friday night. She also had her 818 tequila at Revolve Festival, which we'll talk about in a sec. Emma Chamberlain was there for Chamberlain Coffee. They're all just there doing their brand deals, which is... That's so true because you get the vibe that like Emma Chamberlain and Devin Lee Carlson would not want to be at Coachella. Like yeah. they, they personally wouldn't think it's very cool. Yes. Which is kind of interesting because it's come that full circle thing. And the, the way of dressing down is their way of saying, I'm not here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's cool. I don't think it's cool. I think all well, you guys are losers, I'm, but I have to come for my commercial cute, reasons. My cute floral iPhone cases. Exactly. It, it has become, yeah, just this major I saw a TikTok we both watched that referred to it as like a capitalist content farm. 
And it does feel like a content farm. It feels like a bunch of people that have gotten together to just get the content that they want. And you don't get this girl who did the TikTok had some footage of these girls in these very Coachella-esque outfits standing in a row and basically was saying that the reason you create content at these places is to give the illusion of having fun and she called it manufactured fun. And it's this idea that you can almost look at these pictures of the girls there and you almost know they're not having fun. Like you know they've taken this photo together and then spent the rest of the afternoon trying to figure out how to take a photo together and probably didn't actually have that Coachella experience where you get drunk with your friends and soy and <laughs> yeah you know what I mean like enjoy a crazy concert if you're constantly in that content mindset you actually don't have fun when you're on the ground and you look at Coachella now and it doesn't feel fun I don't have FOMO yeah about it at all whereas Glastonbury still seems to have that kind of dirtbag element where the content is so incidental to just a bunch of people getting together in a field and getting pissed. Yeah. So the difference between when I went to Glastonbury and when I went to Coachella, Mm -hmm. when I went to Glastonbury, we were camping in tents in the mud in gumboots, jackets, washing ourselves with those baby wipes, uh, getting ludicrously pissed, no phones because mm-hmm. our phones die on like day two. Coachella, I was staying at a luxury hotel and like shuttling in every day. And, you know, it's just it's just different. And, and the first lends itself to much more insane experiences. <laughs> Even the content when you think about Glastonbury, it's like paps of papped Kate Moss or Alexa Chung or Sienna Miller. It's not this content thing where people are, like you say, probably because people's phones are dying and they can't even do it and you actually look fucking gross. Mm because you're in a field with mud, you might look nice for the first 15 minutes of the day. Mm. It's so different. I love that idea of manufactured fun because that feels like so much of what social media is. Is is saying, look, I'm having fun, I'm having fun. (laughs) When you can just tell through the screen that you're, they're probably not. I know. It's also just, yeah, it's also just a bit sad because it's like who does want to spend their time at like this music festival that you've paid so much money to come to just getting photos of you not even actually having a good time. It's so crazy. It's crazy. So I have a weirdly highbrow link to this conversation, which is I read a really good piece in the Atlantic this week called why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid by Jonathan Haidt. And he basically outlines the way that social media has like shifted. Basically, when we all started going on Facebook and MySpace when we were young, we were just being ourselves and interacting with people we knew in a different way. Mm -hmm. Whereas he argues that the introduction of the like button and the retweet button shifted that from performing a type of yourself to strangers to get positive feedback. Mm. So you went from like just being yourself and hanging out with friends to performing everything to get the maximum response. And that's totally shifted the way we all like exist in the world, which I think is so true and kind of blew my mind when I was reading it. But I was thinking about that so much with Coachella where it's like 10 years ago, you'd have gone to Coachella with your friends and taken a few blurry shitty selfies and uploaded them and it would have been a nice side effect of going to Coachella that people knew you went yes like you'd brag to your friends whereas now you just need to go otherwise you feel like you're failing in an economy of of likes even when I was there which is the last massive 
big one, kind of, in like yeah. 2018 maybe. It was when Beyonce headlined. And then there was one more Coachella after that, I think, um, before the pandemic. Or oh, maybe it was earlier, 2018. I don't know. Anyway, it that wasn't it. Well, for me, and I feel like we're of the eight. Also, like TikTok didn't exist then, really, and at all, actually. And you know, we are of the age of Instagram, and it was it didn't feel like that at all. Mm-hmm. But I guess Instagram was just way less curated then, because I was looking back at my photos, and it was just like I would just throw Instagram stories were relatively new and I know I was putting up a bunch of like blurry stories of Beyonce and Destiny's Child performing and then on my grid post they were just like unfiltered throwing them up yeah or like you saw Snoop Dogg at a party so you like ran at him yeah and like got a selfie and just put that you know what I mean it's such a different it feels so innocent compared to now I know all the photos are so bad I was like looking at them and I was like you ugly girl take that down (laughs) thank god it's in the archive we just didn't care now we are we're just fucking performing to strangers on the internet all the time it's so deranged mm. when you think about it too much yeah that's why i don't I, that's why i've just stopped posting because i'm like it's too mm-hmm. it, it, any of it is too like tiring or requires too that's why i was thinking about this coachella like coachella thing specifically because i was like me even being like i might post something on instagram is like, okay, then what photo mm-hmm. are you going to do a, a, a dump if you're going to do a dump that adds like 4,000 extra hours of trying to make it like mm-hmm. cutely curated? What will your caption be? Can you even be bothered? No. So it's like if you're doing that at Coachella, like Jesus. I know. It just sucks all of the joy and out the time. of every moment. Yeah. And then you're guess- in that mindset where you're like, oh, my God, am I missing? You're just scanning constantly. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. got doja cat stuck in my head i'm so obsessed with her now she's so funny and cool and i love her on tiktok yeah she's fab she's just the best person so i got served her doing that jbl spawn you know at the how at the grammys she held the little spawn bag Mm -hmm. the bejeweled speaker um it just popped up on my tiktok yesterday of her like holding it and it was just like hashtag ad and she was eating chicken <laughs> I was like you're so fucking cool what happened at revolve fill me in did you is that the one that you went to Mm-mm. 
I went to a Levi's party. That was right. the one that Snoop Dogg played That at. was the one, right. And like Hayley Bieber and everyone. That yeah, was that where was... I saw Brooklyn Beckham and stuff. That was where everyone was. Yeah, that felt like the re- that was the revolve no, party of yeah. that year. Um, oh, yeah. It was it was really massive and I had like an hour's sleep. <laughs> I was such a, sh- a shell of a human being. But um, they yeah, – so the Revolve Festival happens every year. I think this is like the fourth or the fifth annual – Revolve party because with Coachella, he, the pre-parties are kind of where it's at. Basically, this year it was like bigger than ever before. They had performers like Post Malone. They had uh, Eight One Eight Tequila pop up. They had Erewhon free food from Erewhon, which is like the bougiest, funniest thing in the world. And influencers all got invites. But then apparently, I read on the Daily Mail that some people paid two thousand dollars for a ticket as well. And basically what has happened is they really like vastly oversold it, which is what happens at these mm-hmm. events. The PR just like got too excited and just invited too many influencers. And then so the issue was the transportation to the Revolve Festival because so you needed to get a shuttle bus. But obviously you're in the desert. It's a bazillion degrees. These shuttle buses weren't coming regularly and girls were standing outside in the heat for like five hours. A few girls passed out. <laughs> And then heaps of people didn't even get into the festival at all. And some girls were saying on TikTok, which I know is like hilarious. And they're calling it Fire Festival 2.0 because it's just how seriously can you take this situation? But I do feel bad for some of the young girls who they got invited to the Revolve Festival. So they flew themselves out Mm, to go and then didn't even get in. Yeah, that's sad. Which is such a waste of money and so sad. And, you know, heaps of them were just being like, I thought it was this really good. Kim Kardashian was there. Kendall Jenner was there. Yeah. You know. I wonder why it was such a – they obviously just wanted to throw a huge party and just over us at the – us. At, I, I wrote that down, I think. Oh, no, I said I wrote down a different thing. Um, Us uh, at Milan Fashion Week. I said that would be – I said that would have been us. We would have gotten invited to the Revolve Festival. Yeah. We would have fucked around for too long and yes. been like, let's go in the afternoon to mm-hmm. not be keen beans. We would have not gotten into a bus and we would have wasted our entire day. Yeah. And that's what happened to us at the Attico party at Milan Fashion Week. When yeah, we, were... we thought we'd play it very cool and go at like 10.30 p.m. And then there was a literal mob outside. <laughs> and we're like, we're invited. And they said, everyone's invited. Yeah, and no one could get in. And the mob of people, it was so funny. I was like, you, you were like, Izzy, we have to go. Because you looked around the mob and it was literally like, I did some quick maths. I was like, okay, we've got like 90 minutes. There's 200 people here. They're letting like in one the, person every 10 minutes. The caliber of the people outside. Yes. Was like yeah. runway models. Yes. Gorgeous, ridiculous style. Like so yeah. hot. Everyone was so hot. And Grace was like, is he? We have to <laughs> cut our losses. We're not making it into this party. I said, all these like hot, cute models kept coming I kept like letting them in front of me I was like you don't you don't deserve to be out here and you go sorry (laughs) people are like do you work here miss (laughs) ma'am oh love so yeah but yeah so influencers stranded in the dirt with no water under the hot sun for hours waiting for buses security had crowds of influencers yelling how important they were and why they deserved the first seat this reminds me of when we're in Paris and I went to a fashion show out in it was far out of Paris. They hired cars for everyone to go. And the idea was that everyone had individual cars. So you got there and then you had a car waiting for you when you came back. But instead they they just kind of, I don't really understand what the organizers did, but basically everyone was waiting out in the rain for an hour. And this was like every 
famous i remember your tips editor influencer <laughs> like and it was the most amazing people watching it was like the last fucking boats off the titanic like people <laughs> were fa- people were fucking foul like the most chicest famous people were like diving in front of cars like smacking on doors shoving each other out of the way it was incredible mm, especially because it was raining yeah, because it was raining. There was not many umbrellas. Mm. It was like I every can, man like, for I can himself. see it from you, from you explaining it to me afterwards. You arrived yeah. like a wet dog. Because <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead of go me. Go ahead of me. I'm nobody. Yeah. You drove them back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get myself an Uber. Don't worry. <laughs> it's like you get schadenfreude because it's funny, but it would, it would be hideous if you were there mm. in the hot sun. You'd be like, all I want to do Aging. is go and – I'd be like, my, lo- my lines – I know, I just said as we're walking here, I forgot to put my ultraviolet on today and it's there's some sun out in London for once. Yeah. Um, yeah, it reminds me also of when we sat in a wheelbarrow waiting for Aww. our bus from Splendor. That felt like such a low moment in my life and now I look back and it was such a nice time. I know. It was freezing. It was like negative two degrees and we're in silly little cut-off shorts sitting in a wheelbarrow waiting for the bus. What is great about Coachella, I actually can't remember this properly, but I feel like this must be the truth, <laughs> is that it doesn't get cold, obviously, because you're in the desert. Mm-hmm. I know you, the temperature would feel like it had dropped quite significantly because it's so hot in the day, but like other festivals, you're just absolutely freezing by nighttime. Yes. And in the day, you want to look cute with your little shorts and your cute festival outfit, and then it comes to nighttime. So that's why at Glastonbury as well, because it would rain It'd be like rain, hail, <laughs> shine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you'd be in gumboots, you'd have shorts on, and then you'd have to have like a raincoat, a jacket, everything tied around your waist. I would really like us to do Glastonbury maybe next year. It's crazy now. I don't know if it's always been this way or whether – basically, I had so many friends trying to get tickets this year that couldn't. No, it's impossible. Yeah, but I had the I same. I didn't the have that was... problem. It's so weird. It's just because everything rolled over – Everyone who had tickets in 2020 oh. has rolled over and then they added some more where people want to go with their friends. Okay, yeah. So I think next year. Let's go, yeah. Let's go. And we'll do the the luxury. The, glam- the glamping situation. Glamping. Yeah. I think I've told you before my little trick from my uncle who goes every year and has for like 40 years. Is you hire a camper van. Oh, yeah. Fill it with alcohol and then you bring nice tents so you – say 15 of you sleep around the camper van, someone lucky gets the inside, but then you have a shower and a fridge and stuff for cooking breakfast. That's great. And a toilet and you've got kind of a base. That's great. That sounds Or we can just glamp. Very fun. Who are our 15 friends? You guys can each pay $2,000 a ticket. Oh, yeah, we can do our own fire festival, the <laughs> AWD fire festival. You guys can pay $2,000. Doesn't include your Glastonbury tickets. Yeah, but sandwich. It does include an AWD cap <laughs> and full stop. Some grass outside our camper van <laughs> <laughs> and a daily shower. Yeah, and an allotted time. Okay, so I was very shocked to read that this week marks the tenth, the ten year anniversary of Girls' first episode airing. It makes me feel so old. That makes me feel five hundred so years old. When I think about, I remember the first time I watched it. I was with a group of friends in at someone's farmhouse on like a uni holiday, and we were all really hungover. And I was like, "Guys, I've heard the show's really great," and we all sat around and watched it. And 
that feels like five years ago. Well, I can't even remember where I was, <laughs> of course. So that's quite incredible. But I rewatched it. You'd rewatched Girls recently. I hadn't. I just rewatched it today too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I hadn't. I realized watching it that I don't think I've sat and watched the full episode since the first time I saw it. Oh my God, it's good. It really stands out. The whole first season. I just want to take a moment to say before we go into this, that this, none of this, we're not talking about Lynn Dunham as a person or anyone's issues with her <sighs> criticisms, whatever. We're just talking about her as an artist and the show that she made. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And I do think that re-watching it, I know it got so much hype at the time and it made her so famous, but there has been this fashionable thing that I'm sure we've indulged in over the past 10 years to like because people are unhappy with things about Lena Dunham to denigrate girls or act as if it's not as good as it is and rewatching it I'm like this is a very 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 era defining piece of art the voice of a generation yes yeah it's so iconic so we, I yeah we both just rewatched it this morning and I was writing down notes like as I was live I was live tweeting on our Google Doc <laughs> Such an iconic opening scene. So it's where they're at the restaurant and she's stuffing her face with pasta and her parents are sitting in front of her telling her they're going to cut her off. And her mom's like, will you two slow down? You're eating like they're going to take it away from you. That's the first line in the whole show. And then her dad says that it's time for a final push. She goes, what is a final push? (laughs) We can't keep bankrolling your groovy lifestyle. It's My groovy lifestyle? It's fucking good. It's so funny. It, yeah, that is a scene. It just captures the whole show. She is fucking hilarious. Like, she really is so funny. The writing is so sharp and good. She sets up all of these characters so well. I didn't even realize that Adam Driver's in it from episode one. Like, all of these things are set up from episode one. It's so iconic. Yeah, she goes... Okay, my friend Sophie, her parents don't support her. Last summer, she had two abortions, right bang in a row, two. (laughs) And her parents were like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then they show Marnie. This is, I was thinking, they show the ick on screen. Straight away. Marnie has the ick with Charlie. Ten years ago, she was on the ball. That was me with my uni boyfriend. Every time I watch her, I'm taken back to having that ick where their touch feels like a creepy uncle. It's, it's. And then he goes. Babe, he plays it so well. I don't think I appreciate it. Yeah. He was making me feel physically yeah. sick yeah. watching his. Yeah. He goes, Do you know what would be so crazy is if we just got crazy right here? <laughs> and then he goes, What would turn what would turn you on? And she goes, What would turn you on? And he goes, Whatever would turn you on. <laughs> so gross. And then she goes, What if you're a stranger? <laughs> and he goes, Ooh, stranger danger. <laughs> It's so fucked. It's so fucked. And it's just like, I think when we watched Girls at the time, so Lena Dunham was 24 when she made it, so she's 34 now, would have been wow 10 years ago. So I would have been, how old am I now? 28, 20, 29. So I would have been 18, 19. So I would have just thought, okay, here's a HBO show given to me. It's like a good show. You know, you can't appreciate it on the same level. Watching it now, thinking about a 24-year-old having this level of sophistication to write that, cast it, direct it, have the foresight to see where all these characters are going, get the performances that she got out of everyone, even the way she shot it is so – like, it is so incredible Yeah, that she managed to do that. 24. I know. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I know. Her, her lying on the couch 
and Adam telling her to take her tights off. And she's like wriggling around trying to get them off. Uh, yeah, it's a brilliant show. I can't can't believe it's been 10 years. It's actually crazy. She wrote, so Lena Dunham wrote a piece for American Vogue kind of reflecting on 10 years of girls, the anniversary. And it was really about how female friendship is what inspired her to write girls and how her own female friendships have changed and developed over the last 10 years. And she said, okay, by the time I, so she talked about basically always feeling like an outcast and not part of friendship groups as she was growing up. And she would go with her mom into New York and try and buy cool clothes so the girls at school would think she was cool and she would still be kind of lumped with the undesirables who weren't invited to parties. And it created this kind of lifelong fascination and obsession with getting into girl groups, which Mm. I think is so interesting. And she talks about moving, sorry, going to college and how she went to, I think it was Oberlin, like one of those real women's lib universities and how she finally found a place where she was cool and did have a kind of in crowd because she made sense there and how she suddenly shifted to being the cool girl that kind of excluded other girls without realizing it and how she really wanted to explore that in the TV show. And she said, by the time I wrote Girls, I had 24 years of experience with feeling both connected to and separated from, well, girls. Many people saw the title of the show as a pronouncement that I was speaking for all girls, that I fancied myself a microphone for half of the population, and in the process was grinding us down to one monolithic and likable soapstone. This was actually my attempt to understand, perhaps even master, my relationship with girls, with women. I loved that because she was so criticized for that at the time where people were like, this is not what all girls are like. And she's saying, no, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) This was about me being obsessed with girls, not me thinking that she was a ringleader. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, everyone was saying this isn't what an everyday experience in New York looks like, which obviously you write from your experience and that was her experience as an outsider looking in i found it interesting how she said that she wasn't invited to she's such a good writer just even remembering that of like being she got to school one day and realized that everyone had been invited to this party that she wasn't invited to when she was younger and it was her and one other girl who'd been left out and then they were sitting together at lunch and then lena just goes said something like your sandwich smells or something. And the girl like looked really upset and walked away with her half-eaten tuna sandwich. And then Lena was like, you know, she did that to, to make herself, she wasn't punching. What is it up? She was punching across because she wanted to make herself feel less embarrassed. Yeah. That sort of shit happened to me all the time when I was younger. Oh my God. Kids are so fucking cruel and ruthless. I, when I was my first, like month of high school there were two girls who actually ended up becoming my like, good friends it's, it's not fades <laughs> uh, but it was two girls um and they would like run away they'd be like let's all go to the toilet and then would like pretend to go in and then run off and like run away from me in the playground because they didn't want to hang out with me <laughs> So horrible. But then it's like, it's so heartbreaking. You go home and you cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And then like a week later I was in class and they're like, hey, do you want to, like, it's so, girls are just crazy, stupid and crazy and they'll get together and be fucking nasty and get rid of someone and then they'll get back and then it'll be, it's, it's, I really do think female friendship is one of the hardest, most complicated things to navigate. Mm. It's so loaded and like complex. Yeah. I was telling a girl on the weekend about how I got kicked out of my S Club 7 dance group. (laughs) 
Did I tell you, not say this on the pod before? I got kicked out, Grace, because I was that much of a bad dancer that they all the girls all sat me down in a group and they were like, we like you and you're our friend, but you can't be in this dance group because you're such a bad dancer. And then I and then I remember watching them perform it and I just had to sit like in the stands alone because that was all my friends on the stage performing. And I was like, how like how dare how you? good really was it? We <laughs> That's were 12, like, how good could it be in it? And the S Club Seven moves. It's like how hard could they have been? Don't stop, never give up. Oh, I went to a Catholic time. school and they said we couldn't do bring it all back to me. We couldn't like wiggle our fingers. Because it was suggestive. Wiggling your fingers while choosing chocolate. Um, That's a sad little tale. Sorry that happened to you. My (laughs) trauma. Those things are so traumatic when they happen. Yeah, I know, but I I really am a very bad dancer. I want to do dance lessons. Let's do... um, There's an AWD... Hip-hop to butter classes. There's an AWD girlie who is a dancer... But she lives in Berlin and she has a dance studio. Let's move. <laughs> Let's move to Berlin. I literally was thinking that. I was like, if I lived in the same city as her, I would go to her dance classes. Um, and- yeah. We need cons- anyone in London give us some tips. West London dance studios that don't cost an arm and a leg. And that will put up with two uncoordinated. Yeah. Grace almost dropped her, Grace dropped her earpods on the ground just then, and one was like centimeters away from the drain, and she didn't see it, and then went to kick it into the drain, <laughs> and I had to like tackle her to the ground. <laughs> so yeah, I think we could. Yeah, it'd be fun. I don't know what our problem is where we will look back at things and think they weren't as good as, or, or mm. if, if something blows up too much, you want to say it's shit. Yes. And I do genuinely think Girls Season 1 really holds up. I, I rewatched it in the pandemic. I think I watched Season 1 and Season 2 and found it incredible. I want to rewatch the whole thing. I know it did like drop off a bit. But even that things kind of happen with Fleabag in a way, where yes. it, now it feels embarrassing to... Love it, but I think if we rewatched it, we would find it so, so, so hilarious all over again. Yes, it is that. I don't know if it's it's kind of a global tall poppy syndrome where mm. someone does something, it's amazing, everyone gets so obsessed with it, everyone's talking about it, and then you get bored of everyone talking about it, so you start to say, well, it's not that good, and then you start misremembering mm. it mm. because you can't be honest about it. That definitely happened to Lena Dunham hardcore. Like, yeah. The fact that she, even her unlikability, I, I feel like I need to mentally unpack that in my brain as well. This idea that people have that she's so unlikable and unbearable. I'm like, that's not even true. Like she said a few annoying things because she was fucking 26. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was shoving a microphone in her face. And it's not to say that she's, I don't even remember enough to know. Basically the worst thing she ever said was that she didn't believe a young black girl who said she'd been sexually assaulted by Lena Dunham's friend and Lena Dunham like stuck up for her friend and then apologized and understood what she'd done was wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's like a horrible thing to do. But at the same time, you can see how years ago your like reaction when you're young and your friend is being accused of something, your reaction would be like to be like, which is wrong to be like, I don't yeah. know him in that way. So he can't have done that. And now that we're older, we realize I was actually listening to, oh, that sentimental in the city podcast. And they were like mm. unpacking the Mr. Big Chris North stuff Mm. and like the Sarah Jessica Parker and everything stuff and they were talking about how now we are at a time where Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon and all of these women have said for years and decades that Chris North is the most amazing man that they love him that he's like a brother that he's like Mm -hmm. a friend and they knew straight away that like 
just because someone is like that with you doesn't mean they're like that with everyone. But I think mm-hmm. we weren't at that. We weren't, we just need to realize the time we were in. Yeah. Doesn't excuse her, but it's also like she was young and it was pre me. It was like pre or during the very early stages of me too. I think yeah. Pre. And I think like you say, we, we just expect people, we expect celebrities to be these ultra humans that have this like degree of, I don't know, awareness of and hindsight and awareness of their own position in a way that only people that have really carefully curated teams and management and have really controlled their image do. And I think Lena Dunham has tried to be a very vulnerable, open person that reacts off the cuff and has an open dialogue with her fans and doesn't self-censor and that we love her for that sometimes and then she's rightly criticized for it at other times i just think people need to put her in context exactly yeah 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 i would highly recommend and you would highly recommend re-watching i also watched tiny furniture for the first time recently i can't remember if i've seen that it's got like a lot of the girls people in it like jemima kirk's in it she basically plays jessa and the guy who plays ray what's his name shoshana's yeah ray yeah I have to say, rewatching it, I'm like, I would definitely be bussing Ray. Of course. Like a hundred. I was like, how have I never seen this before? It's yeah. Like exactly. Yes. He's like cooking the opium tea and just like wanking you- on about some sort of. <laughs> no, when he was saying McDonald's is great, why wouldn't you want to work at McDonald's? And then he, yeah. and then she said, well, I remember finding it so, so funny at the time when she goes, what does it taste like? And he said twigs, but she yeah. thought he said Twix. Yeah. That's why she ate. That's why she had the opium tea. And she's like, "This doesn't taste like Twix." And he's like, "No Twigs." <laughs> yeah, a, hun- a hundo. Would I have been bussing Adam? Yeah, Adam or Char- I probably would have been with Charlie. You would have been bussing Charlie and wanting to buss Adam. Yeah, my list is just Ray. <laughs> <laughs> what other men are in that show? The dad. Oh, Elijah. Elijah. Love. Oh, the guy I realize this is such a niche thing to say, but the guy who plays – have you watched the more of The Dropout? No. The guy who plays John Carreyrou, who's the journalist that breaks the story. I was staring at him and I was like, where the fuck do I know him from? And he plays that chaotic guy that Marnie gets married to in the show. Oh, that um, Jemima gets married to. No, the one that Marnie does. You know, later on she marries the musician oh and they're in a band together. Oh and my he god! Eats her ass and oh it's my like god! Him. Yes. him. I was like, I forgot what a versatile about that. Man. Same. I was like, who the hell is he? And I was like, oh, who I need was to Desi? Watch that. And Googled it. I think the best scene in Girls ever that warms my heart to this day, and that actually reminded me of my my like party song for the past few years it's kind of trickled off now was like that robin dancing on their own which i'll put up on when i'm like really wasted at four in the morning and that i that i restarted doing because in one scene in girls i think season one lena's at home hannah's at home on her bed and i think she's like going through facebook or something really depressing and then marnie comes in and they start dancing to it on the beard and it was like the cutest scene and all i just love the way it portrayed female friendship and and the start of that show and that was like the love story that's why it started getting really sad because they all started like fighting and stuff i know and that episode with marnie and charlie Mm, that later one that is like i think that's one of the best episodes of tv i've ever seen it was like so affecting when i watched it the first time yeah and i've watched it again but yeah anyway 
Okay, bye. I have to eat more cookies. Yes. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.